hello and greetings from wherever you are to a place that I love to stay. No matter your point of origin, age, or walk of life, you've arrived to DC Comics News Spinner Rack. A place that celebrates comics, more importantly, my top five picks from DC Comics each and every week. Now, how do I know all this? Well, I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Each and every week, I pick my top five books from DC Comics and share them with you. There are a few telltale characteristics, which can usually clue you in, that you have arrived for the spinner rack. Either A, the amazing intro music by my editor, Josh Rayner, my voice, and finally, those rumbling snorings of my French bulldog, Bruno, in the distance. He's like a soundtrack, one that you can't predict, and one that writes its own music. It always creates a very interesting ambiance, to say the least. With all that in mind, and keeping in mind that this past week has been one of growth, change, and perhaps awakening, it's a pleasure to dive into my first book this week, because it's Far Sector number six, and it's a story that has really blown me away. I want to give a lot of credit to N.K. Jemison, who's created an original Green Lantern in Joe, and she's brought to life with Amazing Art and Colors by Jamal Campbell, with very powerful letters by Darren Bennett, an original cover by Jamal Campbell, which is phenomenal, followed by a variant cover by Sanford Green. The Green Lantern Joe has been in a place known as the City Enduring, a place where emotions are turned off because of a violent history that the present no longer believes is possible to return to. Now, the exposition in the beginning with Joe and Counselor Marth providing a catch-up for all those who might not have been reading along. And as they point out, they both know what they're talking about. But the point is that this is for the new people. <laughs> and it's a wonderful introduction to a very challenging period because the city enduring has been struggling with how to work out the problems that exist among its people and with the solution they've created something that controls their emotions and an antithesis something known as the switch off something that turns off those emotions and allows the person taking it to feel right now feelings are in large supply it's been 10 days since the local law enforcement fired on a group of emotion exploit protesters. The person who ordered that was Counselor Marth. Joe is dealing with the fact that she's been going to too many funerals. Six this week alone. 12 people died in total in the riots. And I'm moved by a quote that opens this issue. Do not fear mistakes. There are none. Attributed to Miles Davis. Boy, in this book's... In this book. <laughs> there are no mistakes for me. For me, overall, this is a, a lovely, beautiful story. It feels wonderful. 
and magically alien and distant. The art brings to life the cityscape, the surrounding people, hues that shift from soft greens and blues to luxurious maroons, soft oranges, and with this beautiful color palette, we have this wonderful story of Joe dealing with the events of the world she's been brought and asked to help as a violence has begun to spread. It's also created conflict with her and counselor Marth, who interestingly appears at first in many ways as a politician unwilling to take responsibility. But Marth surprises her when he reveals exactly what his actions are. And I was intrigued that the basis for this decision is one that's not hinged on public response. There's actually been no blowback, which is the Earth term that Joe and Counselor Martha use to discuss what's happening in the city enduring. And Mars says something very powerful, something that, as has been echoed by at least one of the DC Comics reviewer, is one of the things that, that makes this issue feel so timely, so necessary. Mars says that he's stepping down because he was wrong. And then he says something very interesting. He says, do human leaders wait for public censure before acknowledging their wrongs? How weak of them. Man, this was a really powerful story. And it also hints at a past where Joe has also faced the decision she made, whether she acted or not, but that makes her feel as though she can relate to the struggle that Marth is going through. Maybe not to the same degree, but from a place of understanding that makes what he is saying and why he is saying it feel more powerful. There's a lovely exchange as they both seek comfort, and in doing so, there's some lovely moments that pull away from the main scene, take in the surrounding landscape, and <laughs> offer some lovely touches, like a Green Lantern doll, who looks a little bit like Joe, but also reminds me, just for a moment, of Green Lantern John Stewart. Overall, this is one of those beautiful issues which tells a compelling story, continues telling a compelling narrative, and does so with beauty, light, and brilliance. It's amazing how well every element in this book complements each other, whether it's the lights and the colors, the characters, their lines, or the letters. When you come across a book that's doing things like this and chooses to make them feel like a well-composed recipe. It's hard not to feel like <laughs> there might be an advantage to collecting this as a trade, so you don't have to wait issue by issue. And then again, it is a wonderful surprise each week that this book comes out when I can open it up and discover yet another example of the treasures and wonder that lie within. My pleasure to bring you Far Sector number six, my first choice here on DC Comics New Spinner Act episode number 58. Now, of course, the great thing about covering our first book is the fact that it allows us to move right into our second. And for this episode, I've chosen Catwoman, 80th anniversary, 100 page, 
super spectacular. Now there are 10 stories in this book, 10 amazing stories, wonderful stories. However, I'm not going to share them all with you today. Simply put, when you go through each one of these stories, it's just a reminder of the celebration that this character, this collection of writers and artists, and this compilation are here to tell. And yet at the same time, they should be something you experience. So I'll give you a little hint, which is what I've done with each one of these specials, whether it's the 1000 edition. Although with Detective Comics, I did try and go through every story and realized how long that can be. So with each one afterwards, I've chosen just the first story to reference and allow you to discover all the other stories, should you choose, I would say wisely, to pick up a copy of Catwoman. 80th anniversary. Now, in this one, we have a really great experience in that we have a story from Paul Denny with pencils by Manuela Lupacino, inks by Mick Gray, colors by Laura Allred, and letters by Wes Alden. A few very valuable, exquisite, and rare large felines have gone missing. Most importantly, were a pair that had been donated by Selena Kyle. When she follows the trail, she discovers a taxidermist, one who believes that they are preserving the best, the finest. Catwoman knows this figure, and Garrett Riley, the name he goes by, has actually been on her radar for quite some time. He's part of a crime family and not content to simply do hitman work for the Riley mob. He has begun a collection of keepsakes and he wishes to make Catwoman one of them. The way that she reads his plan, exposes it, and then causes it to unravel. It's just one of those many examples of why Catwoman has always been a wonderful foil a great opportunity to display a character who isn't right who isn't wrong but who knows the difference between right and wrong and knows more often than not which side of the line they want to find themselves on catwoman has always been loyal to herself to those she looks out for her loyalty has its own brand its own set of rules and it's one of the reasons why she's been such an enduring character for 80 years. Keeping all that in mind, the stories that follow are a wonderful reflection of all of the many things that make up Catwoman, all the wonderful things that we have come to know and love, and more importantly, the creative teams that bring her and all of those great elements to life each and every issue. It should come as no surprise that this Catwoman 80th special is a 5 out of 5. I've been gushing and glowing over it, and more importantly, I hope I've pointed out some of the reasons why I think this is such a perfect book to add to your collection this week. With these two first books out of the way, or these first two books, however you choose to say it, we have an opportunity to take a quick break, catch up on all the things going on here at DC Comics News, provide you with some insight 
and of course come back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks for your patience. Ad break will be over shortly, and we'll get right back in to the swing of things. Talk to you in a moment. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um... Can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Cougar. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nards. I definitely do not fuck that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents... Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. And thanks for your patience after that short ad break. Hope you caught up on all the great things going on here at DC Comics News. And with that, we move right into my third choice. For this one, I am happy to talk to you today about Justice League Dark, number 22. This has been an amazing run of storytelling uh, 
Ram V and James Tyne in the fourth really combined for this uh, really great narrative. Ram V providing the script with Ram V and James Tynan providing the story. Pencils by Alvaro Martinez Bueno and Amanke Nahuelpin on pencils. Raul Fernandez and Amanke Nahuelpin on inks with June Chung providing color. Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairbairn providing the original cover with Clayton Crane providing the variant cover. We open in this story on the Serengeti in Tanzania with a character named Olamayan, who is there to greet Khalid, the newest wearer of the helmet of Order of Nabu, and who has arrived because he's here to speak with the avatars of stone, flame, waves, and vapor. They are wondering why they should be helping and pose a question, one that I've heard before, as to whether or not humans are the anomaly. The earth would go on. And then we shift gears to Buddy Baker in his duodenum and a conversation <laughs> he's having with the divided. This is all part of an attempt to undo the spores growing out of people, the magic that is violently attacking the world, and the rise of characters like Anton Arcane, who faces off with and brings to submission Zatanna in this moment, but not before she can send a signal, one that reaches John Constantine right after he's found at Abbey Arcane, and he's trying to explain what has happened to Swamp Thing. There's so much going on throughout this book, and what brings it to life are those very talented pencilers, inkers, and colors. The dark that surrounds the rot, the sort of beauty and wonder of the natural landscape where Constantine finds Abby, and this wonderful recognition of how they are drawing on a history of DC Comics characters come to life in this story, bringing all of their baggage, their experiences, their hopes and fears, and how they can use that to shape the story. What really strikes me, though, is near the end, when Khalid points out something that the avatars might have forgotten. I think it's something you should experience for yourself as a reader, but it's one of those moments where you realize that the writer knows the story that they're telling because it's the story they want to hear. In this great collection, this next chapter, Justice League Dark 22, we have the opportunity to be reminded why stories are what they do, and what are the many components that keep them burning so bright and remaining alive for so long? A great five out of five book. I'm always wondering if I put certain books on the spinner rack too often, but then once I finish reviewing them and sharing them with you, I realize my choices were justified and all the reasons I just gave in addition to all the reasons I didn't, are more than validation. And with that, let's go ahead and move into my fourth choice. Now, regarding that fourth choice, I chose to pick up Batman Superman number nine, a really powerful story titled Atomic. Introduces the Atomic Skull, 
running rampantly through Gotham, a place he doesn't really belong. He's more of a Superman-style villain. And yet, that's not the only concern, because this issue opens with Gotham Harbor and a body lying on the shore. We don't find out who he is, but there's a feeling it's a connection, or there is a connection, to the atomic skull, who at first might be apprehended by the police until Batman arrives and realizes that the people who are trying to take him in aren't police at all. In fact, they've got a funny smell because they're dead and they appear to be remote-controlled drones. What's wrong with the atomic skull and why is it that right as Batman's about to uncover what the problem could be, the atomic skull is suddenly killed? I love a great mystery, and there's a power in this that is captured because of the chaos and ferocity and the very abrupt introduction to the events that are occurring. We, the reader, are left feeling as lost as Batman and Superman, and because of that, we're left with a mystery, much like they are. Our viewpoint is different, but we don't have much more details than they do, and that allows us this opportunity to experience all of that questioning and wonder until the moment when the narrative pulls away from our main characters, shifts to two supporting characters. And with that, we get the arrival of a discovery, one that is violent and brilliant and a haunting look at a classic character from DC Comics past. You're gonna enjoy this one, I think, if you have a love for DC Comics history, and the way it can be brought to life in new ways. Now, in all honesty, I got so excited talking about this book, I left off the opportunity to tell you about the team. Writing this one is Joshua Williamson, whose work I've loved on The Flash. Art by Clayton Henry. Colors by Alejandro Sanchez. Letters by John J. Hill. With an original cover by Henry and Sanchez, as well as a variant cover by Mike Mayhew. I recommend both, although, really, the original is so great, anything beyond that is just frosting. A solid 5 out of 5 for me, a great introduction to a new arc, shifting gears for us now as we've moved away from uh, the Batman Who Laughs virus and into a new whodunit story for, as they've been called before, the world's finest. Time for my fifth and final choice. And for that fifth and final choice, well, I simply could not deny Shazam number 12, a really fun story for me that brings not only the brilliant sprite wonder and light of Shazam and the way Billy Batson is <laughs> able to view the world and the world around him so often appears bright, wonderful, pure, childlike, that gives us this wonderful introduction to the crocodile men <laughs> and a villain wearing a suit even though he's a crocodile now billy can't explain what's going on even though freddie his good friend and another member of the marvel family is more than curious about why this well-suited villain is bothering billy and also it brings up an interesting conversation about the quality of uh, Shazam's villains. To which Shazam 
at some point relents and says, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to have a lot of villains. I'm still trying to figure everything out, which means in Shazam's eyes, he simply has to take a journey over to Gotham, find a villain, get in there, and make a name for himself. Now, Freddy would call this squatting and blame, to which Shazam disagrees. And when he hears the Scarecrow has been sighted, he decides to make his honest and most earnest attempt to help out. The problem is, Billy's never faced Scarecrow, and even someone as talented as Batman who has knows that every time is just as dangerous as the first or the last. The effect of the fear toxin on Billy is powerful, and it's a reminder of how hard it is for this young man to be the superhero he is and all the fears he must be facing. Because of that, we get to see Batman take on that wonderful senior father role that he likes to deny isn't something he's good at, and yet at the same time is something that he has so much understanding about, especially because of the way his life was so drastically affected when he was a young boy. I really enjoyed this uh, collaboration, the fact that Billy keeps wanting to call it a team-up and Batman simply doesn't want to acknowledge any of that. Great story here from uh, Jeff Loveness as the uh, special guest writer. Brandon Peterson providing the special guest art with Mike Atier providing the colors. Rob Lay providing the letters. Brandon Peterson with the original cover and Ken Lashley providing the variant cover. When it comes to those covers, you really can't go wrong. But then again, the best part is you can either get one or both and you still find yourself with a great collection of art. And with that fifth and final choice, that brings episode number 58 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack to a close. Once again, I've been your host, Seth Singleton. Happy to join you each and every week sharing my top five picks from DC Comics and curious whether or not you agree with my choices. I'd love to hear more about what you think or your thoughts, and there's great ways for you to reach out and let us know. You can reach out to the entire team here at DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube. All you need is the at symbol followed by DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Leave us your thoughts, your questions, your opinions, and more. And of course, you can always find me, your host, Twitter as One More Singleton. Instagram is Seth the Writer, although I recommend my dog's page, Instagram's Bruno and Fiji. They're simply cuter, more fun, and these days, who can't use a little bit more of that? Thanks for listening to us today, for listening to me as I slip into that royal we us, and I hope you understand it was talking about the entire DC Comics News podcast network, of which I am proud to be a part of. You can catch every episode on the platform you're listening to. If you haven't yet, please head over, subscribe, rate, and review. And keep in mind that when telling friends, you can let them know that we're on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. And there's plenty others. If you have a favorite, write in. Let us know. We'd love to hear about it. 
and share it with others. I'd also like to encourage you that when you subscribe to the DC Comics News Podcast Network, you get regular updates of new shows like The Spinner Rack, the weekly DC Comics News Podcast, new shows like I Am the Night, an episode-by-episode breakdown by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray, or Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast that takes a, well, adult look at the very popular adult animated cartoon on DC Universe. You can catch all that and more by making sure you have subscribed to the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Don't forget that after you do, it's okay to leave us your thoughts. We really want to hear. Again, that brings us to a close. And as we like to say here at DC Comics News, the only thing left we would like you to do is to always read more comics. Thanks so much for joining me. Can't wait to spend episode number 59 with you. Until then.